0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to FOMO Monday, the snackable companion to FOMO Sapiens. Of course, we will be back with a full episode of FOMO Sapiens on Thursday. But until then, happy FOMO Monday, best day of the week. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night. And of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, on Thursday, my guests are Rob Reich and Jeremy Weinstein, They wrote a book called System Failure, Where Big Tech Went Wrong. And they are super intelligent. These guys, I'm telling you, they're both on the Stanford faculty. Jeremy worked for the White House. They're just like brainiac dudes, but they're also really nice and interesting. So they they talk about these things in a very engaging way. And so I got their book in the mail. I read it. I was like, this is the book we need right now. It is just... If you're just wondering about the whole tech thing and like, what is Facebook doing? Why is that bad? And where are we going? And where is the sort of entire tech kind of infrastructure taking us as a society, as a world? You're going to love this episode because it's kind of, it's not our usual, I'll be frank. It's it's a little bit more wonky in a sense that we kind of get into some of these things. And I was, I mean, I'm I was sort of like, these guys are way too smart for me to talk to them about this. They know everything, but they kind of put it in a way that is very approachable, which I appreciated because I like this stuff, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the academy. And so I just don't want to get into it in a way that doesn't feel practical. And they know how to do that. So we get into it. And I think the takeaways are really great. And so my kind of my big kind of overarching thought as I talked to them was like, why do these companies have to be so darn evil? Right. And so what I want to talk about today is how to not build an evil company, right? Because it's not like Mark Zuckerberg was sitting in his dorm room and he was like, you know what, I'm gonna build a terribly evil company. And it's not like Facebook is all evil, right? There are some really cool things about Facebook. Facebook has done very nice things. It's connected people. People meet their spouses. They raise money for goods and and services and charities and all these other things. They sell stuff, right? They raise awareness, I could go on and on about all the nice things about Facebook, but we all know from the whistleblower and all the things that have come out how Facebook does very naughty things. And it's not just Facebook, right? It's all these companies. So I just was like, asking myself, like, when did it go so wrong? When did these companies sort of, lose control of the mission they had. Right. I think Google originally when they they founded the company, the whole point was to not be evil. And, you know, things happen with Google that aren't very nice. So I just wanted to think about that with you guys and share my thoughts, because I think one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of years is how mission driven entrepreneurship and investment has really come up. And I think about a guest I had on the show. His name's Luke Holden. And if you don't know Luke, go back into the archives. I interviewed him. It was a gazillion years ago. It was like 2019. He was on FOMO Sapiens, and he is the founder and CEO of Luke's Lobster, which is a company from my dear state of Maine. And I love Luke because he has built a company that is not evil. It is mission-driven. It does great things. Not only does he provide really tasty lobster but he ethically sources that lobster. He partners with fishermen and women in a collective so that it's it's fair the way he does. He doesn't just sort of like take the market and put all these people out of work. He has created employment. It's just all, the whole thing, he's a B Corp. The whole way he has structured the business has been from its inception, from its DNA, all about doing things to create a business that is not evil on the flip side. It's really doing good in the world. So I I just look at that and I'm like, okay. And I don't think Luke's going to turn into some like evil fish empire in the future. I just don't think that's who he is. He doesn't, it's not what he's built on. It's not his values. Like he's not looking to make the absolute biggest buck because he recognizes that building something sustainable is way more important and he'll do very well in the long term. And he has done very well but it's not like he's just like fighting for the marginal dollar. And so that is super important. So that's what I wanna talk about today, how to not build an evil company. FOMO. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. All right, number one, how to not build an evil company is recognize there are no absolutes, right? So it's kind of interesting. Much like people, sometimes the things that are our greatest strengths can be our greatest weaknesses, right? So you think, you know, that your friend who's so social might also be way too garrulous and tell some secret that they're not supposed to, and then they get in big trouble, right? That's We always see these things. It's like the person who's like really, really, really efficient might also offend people because they come across like they're just all business. So some of the things that make us successful can be negative. And I think about like a Twitter. Twitter, you know, it's great because it spreads information and in a very free way, depending on your perspective. Some people think more, some people think less. But it's been a power of revolutions like the Iran revolution that happened many years ago. It was really kind of put Twitter on the map in some ways. But that culture also, that openness and the the frank discussion, it leads to a lot of harassment and misinformation. So there are no absolutes. These companies uh, are not uniformly good or bad. But at the same time, you know, (laughs) this is where the problems begin. It's like, well, we did all these nice things. Don't focus on the bad things. Well, that's not the way that we do things around here. So that is number one. Number two, I think this is where you get into the real sort of, the real sort of rubber hitting the road, which is you got to know what non-financial metrics are key to success, right? So yes, everybody wants to make money, but what else is there out there? What are the impacts that you're having and how do you measure what those things are? So if you think about like, I mean, this is a great example, like oil companies, like oil companies love to tell you all about how they're planning fields and paying for schools and all these things. Sure. But like, what are the real metrics that they should be looking at? Uh, You know, of course they're doing things that are bad for the earth. We all know that. And, you know, the question is like, so what are you doing about that? And a lot of times the metrics that they put up are these very fake metrics. It's like, well, we built a school in this community. I mean, fine, that's good. But is that really going to offset what you're doing? And so I think having those non-financial metrics and reporting them and being transparent about that is super important. And if you're building a business and you are trying to figure out what those metrics are, you got to think about, okay, like what are we trying to do here? What are our values and how can we choose metrics that align to our values? So for example, if you're building a business that is in sort of an apparel space and you're trying to be really focused on your supply chain and make sure that it's clean and and that you're doing good things and you're sourcing in a a way that is ethical, then you need to figure out, okay, let's look at how many farmers we're working with? Have we certified those farmers? Like all these things. Okay, how is our supply chain? Are we are we shipping things FedEx, which is really bad for carbon? Or are we finding smarter ways to ship? All those sorts of things are really important. So you want to focus on those metrics and you want to report them and, and show them to your team and to your investors. Super important. Number three, incentives. So great to have the metrics, but if the incentives are off, if you're like, hey team, so like we have these metrics, but I really only care about the bottom line. You And your bonus is going to be based on our net income margin. You're not creating the incentive structure for people to actually live out the values of the company. And so that happens all the time. I mean, that's the big problem in corporate America and corporate world is that you give people incentives that are very clear to them. It's like, if you do X, you will get Y. If you generate the most profit, you will get the biggest bonus. But then if those things don't align with what you're trying to achieve overall, in terms of your values and your mission, your company, then you're never going to get there. And people shouldn't be expected to say, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, you, you, you know, we have these bigger things in the picture, so I'm not going to worry about getting the biggest bonus." Like, no, I mean, people should they should want to get the biggest bonus. That's what capitalism is. And so, you got to create the right incentives. Number four, you got to know your stakeholders, right? So stakeholders, just to define the term, it's, you know, you have your shareholders, of course, they are part of your stakeholders, but your stakeholders are your employees, they are your suppliers, they're your community, your customers, like all the people that are in one way or another touched by your business. And so if you know who your stakeholders are, then you can be in touch with them and say, hey, do you like what our company is doing? Are there things that concern you? And maybe they'll have like really annoying concerns that you don't really care about. It's like, well, you can't be all things to all people, but understanding how people perceive you and your impact on the world is super valuable. And by the way, you'll learn things too. You'll learn things that will make you a better business. You learn, oh, you know, what? we should release this t-shirt in blue because our stakeholders want it. So definitely mapping out the stakeholders and being in touch with them is so important. Number five, when you hire people, screen for ethics. This is one of these things that nobody does. I mean, it's shocking to me. I have, this is like, I'm telling you a story. I had a a person who had worked with me and done a terrible job. And listen, I'm not a hard person to work with. I think I'm pretty nice and I'm pretty clear on what I need. And this person blew it. They just like, everything I said, they did the opposite. And I had a really hard conversation with them where I expressed my extreme displeasure. About six months later, this person was interviewing for a job and put me as their reference and the employer called me to ask for a reference. And I was pretty clear. I mean, I didn't say anything that was offensive or, you know, I kind of measured my words. But I was pretty clear that our working relationship had been one that I didn't find positive. And the employer was like, okay, great to know. This is a great coaching pathway for this person. When we hire them, we'll just keep this in mind in their professional development. And they made an offer for the person. Yikes. So don't do that. But definitely thinking about when you hire people, asking their references about about the ethical dimensions and about the kinds of things that are important when you're thinking about not being an evil company. Like, is this person going to have sharp elbows and do anything to make the most money? Well, that's not good, right? That's the kind of stuff that will come out only, I mean, you maybe get a sense of it in an interview, but it really comes out in the references. And you gotta ask for that stuff in screen. FOMO. FOMO. Number six, encourage a culture of skepticism. Okay, so one thing that happens in companies is there will be the whistleblower or the person who disagrees or sees something that you may not, that blind spot. And if they don't feel that the culture of the company allows it, they won't speak up. So you've got to create a culture where people feel safe and comfortable raising their hand when they see something that's messed up. And this is super important because I got to guarantee that like some of the things that are happening in these companies that make it into the press It's not like the board of directors or the CEO have, it's not like they architected these things necessarily. Maybe they did, I'm not gonna absolve them. But a lot of times there are side effects of other things that are happening and people don't necessarily predict the side effect. And then all of a sudden it's too late. And so having a culture where people can stand up will help you to prevent those things before they get really embedded in the business. Number seven, you gotta have governance. Have a board of directors with smart people, not just you know, famous faces. Like you think about Theranos, where you had this board of all these luminaries. They didn't do anything. You gotta have people who will dig in. And when you have those people, then when the skeptic raises his or her hand, the board is prepared to act. The management is prepared to act. So you just gotta build the governance. And finally, transparency. I mentioned it earlier, but I will say it again. Transparency is key. Putting out your ethics on the table telling people, this is what we believe in. And if, guess what? If you find something that conflicts with that, raise your hand, please. We need you to do that. We are, you are frontline and we rely on you to do this. This is really where you're going to find that companies either succeed or fail is in transparency. And by the way, reporting these things back to your stakeholders. So one thing I've been working on in my sort of, job as it were, my jobs is looking at, I'm working on this project with, with uh, international organization, looking at investment funds and this whole concept of ESG, which is environmental social governance. You may have heard of it. It's this term that gets thrown around because like every company wants to say their ESG now. And it basically means that, you know, you do business in an ethical way and you have good governance and you're good for the environment, all this stuff. The reality is like, a lot of that is just, fluffy, I don't know, smoke and mirrors, but the companies that do it well, and there are some, they report everything. They have all their metrics. They put it out there on their website and they tell people like, we did a good job with this. We failed at this. We're working on this. And that tells you that they actually have the wherewithal to fix things. Because if you put it out into the sunshine, we all know sunshine is a great disinfectant, then you are way better positioned to succeed. So those are my eight things. Number one, recognize there are no absolutes. Number two, Know what non-financial metrics are keys to your success. Three, you gotta have the right incentives. Four, get to know your stakeholders and get feedback from them. Five, screen your hires for ethics. And other things too, listen to the references, don't just ignore. Number six, encourage skepticism. Seven, build real governance. And number eight, be transparent. All right, that is my advice on how to build a company that's not evil. I would love to hear yours. What did I miss? Let me know. You can reach me at connect at Instagram, Patrick J. McGinnis, and on Twitter at PJ mcguinness. All right, I will see you on Thursday for a discussion of all the evil companies. But until then, don't be evil. Have a great week and take care of yourselves. FOMO Sapiens. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO.